0: Welcome back for another edition of Behind the Yellow Line, a baseball podcast. We've got Jeremy Spector, Randall J. Sanders, Ronan O'Shea here. Uh, Episode number five, the old Ronnie Cedeno special for us tonight, and a whole lot to talk about here. Um, We've got some trivia for you tonight. We've got some old box scores that Randall's dug up here. Then some Cubs moves from the last week here, the Tale of Two Jakes. Old World Series hero, Jake Arrieta, looks like he's about to sign a deal to come back to town. We'll talk about that, what to expect from the 35-year-old this season. Also, a defensive specialist comes in in the outfield in Jake Marisnyk. Uh, generally, we got to talk Cubs payroll increase, some moves in the division, two of Randall's longtime nemesises, nemesises, I think I'm saying Nemesis. that right, Nemesis. 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 Uh, one of them inks a deal with the Cardinals, another one chirping which he has done a lot of in his big league career, about possibly going back to Milwaukee. We'll talk about that. And then just some other stuff, sort of a uh, hodgepodge of, of odds and ends that we want to end up with on today. Some MLB rule changes, minor league realignment, and uh, a little controversy regarding the old national anthem. So we'll shed some light on that as well, but a lot to get to this evening. Uh, Randall, Jeremy, how are you guys doing? What,
1: what's good tonight? I'm good. I'm, you know, everything's good. Good week. Always the, love the Friday news uh, dumps that help us out here.
2: Doing so I'm good. Staying warm and staying out of the snow. You know, we've been recording uh,
0: Fridays. It's just been the routine that works best for us. And every Friday, the last couple of weeks, some news breaks. So giving us a lot of content to talk about and fresh content going into the weekend. Uh, also, Randall, I got to say this. The happiest of Valentines to you on this February the 14th. Uh,
2: Thanks, Ronan. The happiest of Valentines to you and Jeremy as well. I chew, choo, choo choose you, Randall, and it's
0: nice to be spending this Valentine's Friday uh, weekend here with you, talking Cubs baseball. And very cold here in Denver. I know it's cold back in Chicago as well, but we got some hot trivia for you to get this night going. Um, as is always the case, I've got some random, obscure trivia here, generally from our pipeline, the last 25 or so years of Cubs baseball. And I like to get a theme going with it each week. I like to get something that, uh, I don't know, keeps things rolling. we got a lot of these pods coming here over the coming weeks and months. So today's theme pertains to show number five. And I selected the fifth Cubs playoff team of our life. So we're all 87 uh, birthers. Randall leading the way. He's already emerged in the year of the wood. But that fifth club's playoff team, so 89, 98, 03, 07, of course, we're talking about the 2008. Chicago Cubs and I got some trivia for you random obscure there are some names coming out here in a couple of minutes that I guarantee some of our listeners have not heard in a couple of years so we'll have some fun with it little backstory 2008 Cubs they win the NL Central a 97 win season 3.3 million fans out at Wrigley and you know just like I said last time Jeremy I'll put you on the spot first 2008 first thing that comes to mind for you when you think of that 08 season
1: well, first thing I'm going to say just before I get to that, I, I also would like to wish not only a happy Valentine's <laughs> to both of you guys, but a happy Abe Lincoln birthday to you as well. Wow. But the first thing in the 2008 season that comes to mind is, is, Kosuke. is Kosuke. Kosuke hitting a three-run homer on freezing cold opening day and, and I guess the Brewers. Now it didn't end well, but Kosuke, it's got to be the first thing that comes to mind in 2008.
2: What about you, Randall? You know, uh, with uh, Mr. Fukudome already taken as an answer, Kerry Wood emerging as a fantastic closer for that 2008 team. Obviously, he'd uh, struggled through some injuries in the years prior to that. He comes back out of the bullpen and he pitches lights out at the back end of the at the back end of the game, and that's that's fun to see.
0: A lot of anticipation around that team. Uh, Obviously, they won the division in 2007. They came back in 2008, um, strengthened the roster going into the year. So the anticipation was there that this team could have done a lot. They dominated all season long. We mentioned that 97-win season. And we're not going to talk about the playoffs. None of my trivia here has to do with that Dodgers series, Manny, uh, all the terrible things that went wrong for the Cubs in 08. So we'll keep it to the regular season when things were good. And I will say that if you were to rank – let's say the top five Cubs seasons, at least of our lives, you know, watching Cubs baseball, obviously 16 wins it because they won it all. 2008 is very near the top in terms of regular seasons, anticipation around that team, they delivered a ton of fun storylines and some names here that are gonna pop up that may ring a bell for you. So first question for you, offense related. Second question is pitching related. And the third question is fielding related. So we'll start with offense. And Jeremy, I'm going to have you go first here. I'll give Randall the extra minute or so to think here. Um, I want you to guess, and one for each category here, who led the 2008 Chicago Cubs in hits? Who led the 2008 Chicago Cubs in home runs? And who led the 2008 Chicago Cubs in triples? And if you could just give me a name and maybe even throw out a number if you can for
1: context. All right, let me think about this a little bit, though, first. I'm going to say – so first up, I'm going to go home runs first. And I'm going to say that the leader – I'm going to say the leader was – I'm between two guys right now. I'm going to say the leader was Soriano. And I'm going to say he hit 36 homers. Okay. So for hits, hits, I'm going to say – I'm going to say DeRosa led the team in uh, hits. DeRosa. I meant to say Terrio. I'm I'm going to say Terio led the team in hits. And I'm going to say he hit like 100. He had like 180 hits. Okay. And then triples. Triples. I'm going to say triples were. I'm going to say triples were. I'm going to go with Kosuke. I'm going to say he hit like three triples.
0: Okay. So uh, interesting answers in there. Randall hits home runs, triples on the 08 Cubs.
2: Uh, I'm going to echo Cario for hits and Fukudome for triples. I'm going to guess Aramis for the home run leader in the 2008
0: season. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, Jeremy at least got a right answer. So that's not bad, but some uh, big misses here, I think. Um, So hits leader for the 2008 Chicago Cubs your 2005 national league batting champ. Derek Lee, wow. Paced the Cubs 181 hits, rounding out the top couple there. Ryan Terrio just behind him, 178. Aram had 160, Mark DeRosa, a name I thought maybe someone would throw out, uh, also 144.
1: I, I and, said DeRosa, but then I corrected uh, it to Terrio?
0: Yeah, I mean up at the oh. more up on the top end and then Giovanni Soto, 5th with 141.
1: I also have so, 180 hits, by the way, which and you were close, yeah. basically at and Lee led with
0: <laughs> Derek Lee, uh, 291, 361 on base, 20 home runs, uh, OPS plus of 109, and led the team with 181 hits. Uh, okay, so uh, that wraps that portion up. Now to pitching, and Randall, you you already kind of spoiled this for me a little bit because I led with. You know, Kerry Wood led the team that year with ironically 34 saves. So he was the front runner in terms of saves Four other Cubs recorded saves. Who were they? And who had the most Randall, you go first this time.
2: All right. Four other Cubs. Uh, I'm going to go with Bob Howry, Ryan Dempster. Ooh, the other two, this is, this is tough. Bob Howery, Ryan Dempster. Who else was in that 2008 bullpen? Uh boy this is difficult was uh let's, let's go scott air scott air okay still on the team maybe and we need one more name from the 2008 bullpen to round it out you're I, you shaking know, I'm, your head yeah and, and you know, I got, Jeremy's I got nodding i think he knows I it nothing. i will pass this one to jeremy well i, I, let, I have let a let guess
1: you... but i was shaking my head just to shake along with randall
0: Oh, I see. I see. (laughs) Randall, let me give you one hint here, because I think Jeremy's going to get it anyway. I'm just going to name a pitch, and I think you'll figure it out. Slider.
1: That's what I'm going to guess.
2: Slider. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm not coming up with much, so I'm going to pass this to Jeremy so I can can get corrected here.
1: I'm going to guess Carlos Marmol.
2: Okay. That is that is an obvious miss on
1: my part. I will wear that. Did we get the Homer leaders and the hit and the triples leaders? Oh or did, d- I, did I
0: oh my bad, my bad. I, homer- I don't
1: remember. I, I you might have. <laughs> 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 I thought you were just listening off the hits.
0: Yeah, no, no. Oh, so let's just go back then for a moment. Yeah, the home run leader Alfonso Soriano with 29, the triples leader Ryan Terrio with four. four. Got it. So uh Soriano 29, triples Terrio with four. Um, so now to saves. Kerry Wood led the team with 34, four other Cubs recorded saves. Jeremy, you got Carlos Marmel there. Randall, you correctly mentioned Bob Howery. So two more. Who you got, Jeremy? Two other Cubs that recorded saves in 2008.
1: And Randall's guesses were... i My on other real. two
2: guesses were Scott Ayer and Ryan Dempster. Okay. And they were both wrong.
1: Dempster was in the rotation.
0: Yes. Demp- Dempster was their best starter yeah. that year.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Um, so now let me think of who was in the bullpen. Uh, hmm. Let's think. And I've I'm got throw a, if a, Okay, I mean, you, I want
0: you to throw out some names, but I have i well, am I'm gonna afterwards. throw out a name
1: that I'm, I'm not confident in at all, but I'm just gonna throw out a name, and it's gonna be Chad Gaudin. Interesting.
0: Well, here's a hint: it's not Chad Gaudin. Okay. Um, both of these guys you probably think of more one certainly in particular as a starter but they're both really starters in my book when it comes to their cubs careers
1: starters okay is one sean marshall sean marshall yep okay and the other one good head of hair marja Jeff Samarja, there you go. I was going to forget before you said the head of hair, but then that confirmed it for me. So Kerry Wood leads the way with 34
0: saves. The four other Cubs in 2008 recording saves. Carlos Marmel with seven, Bob Howry with one, Sean Marshall and Jeff Samarja also with one each. And then our last question here, this one is um, surprised me when I was looking at it just before we we hopped on this uh, recording. So four players all season long logged innings as the Cubs third baseman obviously Aramis Ramirez was the guy, but there were three other guys behind him that logged innings at third that year. Who were they? And uh, Jeremy, we'll throw you on the spot first this time. So other than Aramis who logged innings at third base for the Cubs, there were four in total.
1: Third base. Wow. This is actually uh, interesting. I'm trying to think about it. Um, who logged innings as third baseman? I'm trying to think who like um, I keep thinking of all these middle infielders, but they're mostly from earlier eras, right? Because uh, I'm third base, I'm totally like thinking like earlier eras, guys like Jose Hernandez and Kevin Ori and stuff. Sure, That's not that late. Um, wow. and a little
0: context, you know, for the listeners at least, Aramis appeared in 149 games that year, so right. he was the overwhelming guy you know when i think of 08 and third base it's all aramis um but these names you know one of them is kind of obvious i think the other two really threw me a curveball randall and if you've got anything on this just feel free to throw it out this i mean this uh, one's tough
2: mark DeRosa. mark DeRosa would be one of the other names on the list yeah, absolutely
0: that, he was second sense. in line and the other two here one of them Did i'll give me a play hand. third base no. or here
1: in 3rd
0: i've named one of them already today and the other one I have not named in probably 12 Ronnie
1: years. Ronnie Cedeno came up.
0: Ronnie Sedanio. I do remember him coming up like innings. a
1: couple years later.
0: Yep, remember, he logged, yeah. He logged 12 innings at third base that year. And then the other one, again, a name I haven't thought of in a dozen years here. All right. Casey McGahey or McGee, oh, yeah. whatever. McGee, whatever the Stone hell it was.
1: Was so angry about that when he went, done the Cubs, let him go to the Brewers.
0: 41 innings for the 2008 Chicago Cubs. I will tell you, and I watched a lot of those games. I was at a lot of those games at well. I've got almost no memory of that guy playing third base for the 2008 Chicago Cubs. So threw me a curveball.
1: I remember him in the minors and I remember him having a monster year for Milwaukee back when Steve Stone had a, like a locked Twitter account at (laughs) baseball stone. And he would just tweet nonstop about dumb. The Cubs were letting him get to Milwaukee but uh, i i don't remember him a lot in the cubs system or excuse me in the in the playing third for the cubs there was another guy i was thinking uh uh who uh, the cubs acquired from um detroit his name was scott uh i can't think of his last name though he was like a first round draft pick he only appeared in a handful of games but i think that was 2007
0: Listen. well that's all my trivia though A little bit of offense, a little bit of pitching, a little bit of defense, and uh, always nice to revisit the 2008 Chicago Cubs. A memorable team. Playoffs were uh, very frustrating because that team very much could have won a pennant. They just uh, didn't put it together in the playoffs. The Dodgers got hot. Quick five-game series, and that's the end of it. They were out in three. So a quick look back on the 2008 Chicago Cubs and another hat tip to Ronnie Cedeno, one of the many number fives to uh, take the field for the Cubs here over the years. And the guy I was thinking
1: of was Scott Moore, by the way, who did play third base for the 2006 Cubs.
0: (laughs) I see. Um, But, well, Randall's got an old box score for us. uh, Randall, take it away.
2: All right. Uh, The initial clue for today's box score, a game attended by Jeremy Ronan and myself. Your first clue, Ben Zobrist had an RBI single in this one. He had a lot of those in his career. He had an RBI single in the bottom of the fourth inning for the Chicago Cubs in this game. Big hint there as a Chicago Cub. as a Chicago Cub. Okay. All right. Elsewhere in this game, uh, Justin Grimm got into the game for the Cubs in this game on the other side. And this is not going to narrow it down because this individual has been around the block a few times on the other side, Wade LeBlanc pitched in relief for the opposing team. And that is an intentional clue because, again, Mr. LeBlanc has been around the block a few times with a number of teams. Uh, So elsewhere in this game, let's see if there's any other notable names. Uh, All right, speaking of notable names, uh, John Jaso started at first base for the opposition in this particular game. Do we have any guesses yet?
1: John Jaso
0: for some reason, the pirates are appearing I mean, in my head. Cause Jaso you know? play for
1: the pirates. That's what I'm thinking too. I was thinking maybe it was like a Rockies game or something, but, but Jason, makes do, me think do we
2: want, do we want more clues or shall, shall oh, we keep the clues coming? We? Please. I mean, it's gotta please. be post
1: 2016 or 2016 and after because, and with Justin Grimm, it's gotta be like 2016 or 2017.
2: All right. Uh, Mike Montgomery got into the game for the Cubs. He pitched uh, an inning. Uh, Let's see another name to appear in this game, Matt Caesar. So we're probably narrowing it down a little bit here. Uh, for the other side, Phil Gosselin appeared as a pinch hitter. Phil Gosselin, journeyman infielder, appeared as a pinch hitter for the opposing team. Uh, let's see anything else. Kyle Schwarber contributed an RBI single in this game. So again, we're we're narrowing it down a little bit, but we don't have any we don't have any guesses yet. No, no, we don't. Turned. No. I'm trying to think of like a 2016
1: Pirates game.
2: On the faces of Jeremy and on Ronan, the gears are turning. Because
1: Ronan was already moved to Denver at this point.
2: Yeah, you know, that's the thing. The number of games I've been to at Wrigley since
0: moving here at the end of 2015 has been limited. Like there was one in 16. I think I was at two games. I'm thinking it was 2017. And I think it was early. Like a Cubs Pirates game in In April April or maybe May, but early April.
2: All right, we it was a loss. We have just about cracked this, so I'm going to drop one more hint, just because it annoys the hell out of me. Uh, Cardinals World Series hero David Freese started this game for the other side. He went three for four. He drove. And score to run. See, I was trying uh, to think as, if it was
1: like an opening day or something.
2: As Ronan uh, and Jeremy hinted at just a moment ago, we have cracked this. This was April 14th, 2017, uh, very early in the schedule, obviously in the 2017 season. In fact, it was the, as I look it up here, it was only the fourth home game, only the fourth home game for the Chicago Cubs that season. And Ronan was correct, as he occasionally is. The Cubs lost that game four to two, I'm afraid. Mm. Kyle, Hendricks, Kyle oh, Hendricks, your starting gosh. pitcher. He goes five innings, allows three runs on six hits. He walks two, he strikes out three. He is out by Garrett Cole on the other side, the uh, visiting and victorious Pittsburgh Pirates. Garrett Cole goes six innings. He allows two runs on six hits with one walk and five strikeouts. Uh, on the topic of mortal enemies of mine, with you bringing up certain other players earlier, uh, Francisco Cervelli had a two-run double in this game, and it was a big two-run double. It put the Pirates ahead 4-2 to two for good in this ballgame, one of the many times Francisco Cervelli has actively made my day worse in his career. And that, unfortunately, was the final score. The Chicago Cubs did lose that game 4-2. to two. Uh, First Friday home game at Wrigley mm. Field, in fact. And that was Ronan's first exposure to the then- uh, not yet Gallagher Way. What was the name of the 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 uh, the town square there prior to the Gallagher sponsorship?
1: I don't you remember never... anything before Gallagher the Way. The green? But oh Gallagher. maybe it was something like that.
2: Yes, what so whatever they called it prior to that. That was Ronan's first exposure to it. Hmm. And Ronan, I remember you saying you felt they integrated it into the ballpark well. You uh you gave it a begrudging stamp of approval that day.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm torn on the renovations as a whole. There have been some very good things that have come from the renovations to Wrigley here over the last, what, half decade or so. There's also been some elements of it that I really don't like. We've been very vocal, like that new luxury seating in front of the press box in what was the 400 level of the upper deck, that's a disaster. The fact that to go from the right portion of the upper deck or the first baseline to the third baseline, you've got to walk on this very narrow, almost alleyway above the marquee. It's really embarrassing, I think, what they've done with regards to that. I think Gallagher Way or or, um, whatever they're calling it these days, it it looks nice. It essentially replaced the parking lot. Yes, I've got like the childhood portion of me that's like, where's Yum Yum Donuts? Let's bring that thing back. Where's Bob Brindley? Where's where's Bob Brindley smoking a cigarette after a game talking to fans, you know? Things you used to be able to do over there when player parking was basically just outside the ballpark like that. So i'm torn on it but i think overall you know what they were able to do on the west side of the ballpark has been very nice and i'm a little bit less excited for the new a sports book going in on the east side of the ballpark but uh things change the ballpark is continuing to evolve and as long as it's still standing i'll still be going
1: yeah and i'm just trying to think about this game because i have a the cervelli double puts it in my head like i remember the cervelli double having a big double. Too much. But the rest of it, I think I like blanked out. Like I don't remember a like, four-two losses. I've been to many early April cold Pir- Cubs Pirates Cubs games. Pirates, yep. That have ended not well. <laughs> so it seems like I only ever see the Pirates like the first week of the season.
0: Yep. <laughs> and and many times it ends in a loss uh, for the yeah. Cubs. But good stuff there, Randall. Fun fun box score. Let's transition now into some uh, major league moves the Cubs have made here over the last week. Uh, two Jakes coming to Chicago, one of them you should be pretty familiar with, Jake Arrieta, the World Series hero for the Cubs, the former Cy Young winner, now 35 years old. The reports, as of us recording this podcast, very close to signing something that's going to be about a one-year, $6 million deal with the Chicago Cubs. Obviously a staple of the Cubs' rotation uh, since the trade in 2013 through 2017. A bunch of playoff teams and a lot of wins. Some no-hitters from Jake Arrieta. We all have good memories of Jake Arrieta. We all have very good memories of a dominant Jake Arrieta driving the Cubs to the playoffs in the second half of 2015. It's not though the same Jake Arrieta that would be coming home here, Randall. We talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago, but where do you stand tonight when it appears imminent that Jake Arrieta is coming back to the Cubs?
2: Uh, you know, I think I stand where a lot of people do. There's a lot of sentimental value in the signing. There's not as much baseball value. Uh, Jake Arrieta has been trending in the wrong direction for a number of seasons. Now, uh, a couple of stats pulled by Megan Montemurro, the new, uh, beat reporter, uh, for the Cubs for the Tribune, uh, a 99 ERA plus and 4.4, uh, war over the previous three seasons with the Phillies. Um, this is the big stat that stood out to me. He, in his time with the Phillies, he only averaged, uh, about five innings per start in his time with the Phillies. He, you know, I don't need to tell anyone this. He's not the area. He was in 2016, 2015, or even 2016, 2017. And as with most of their signings this season, you hope that the Cubs maybe saw something that they feel they can correct with the pitching infrastructure and the coaching. And they're at least able to get some back into the rotation innings out of Jake, but there's a lot of sentimental value in bringing him back. Probably more, probably more that than baseball value.
1: Yeah, my first thought was everybody back in 2018 finally got their wish, and we have Arietta and not Darvish. Um, but, you know, going with Jake, obviously, I love Jake, everything he did for the Cubs. I remember in 2014 where it seemed like he was throwing a no hitter every week yeah. and he just never finished it off. And then, you know, 15 and 16, he finally got a couple. Um, but Jake, Jake was great. And it's an interesting move. Obviously, it's somebody the Cubs probably feel comfortable with. You know, there's a lot of other names they had, you know, connections with. But Jake, obviously, they feel comfortable bringing back in the clubhouse. Somebody who knows what they're trying to do for the most part. Um, You know, he probably has a a relationship with the whole, you know, obviously with Ross and with, you know, Mike Borzello and, and, you know, Tommy, you know, pitching coach. So he, he, he knows what they're trying to do. He knows the pitching instructor for the most part, you know, throwing a Wilson again. So it'll be interesting because, once again, he's another guy that is mostly a two-seamer guy, once again. I mean, he throws a little harder than other guys, but he's actually, if you look at him, he's been one of the league leaders in ground ball percentage, over 50%. He's That's been one of the top guys. And he's actually, he's been hurt, which is a problem, obviously, going forward. But when he's not been hurt kind of healthy, he's actually kind of pitched well. I, I mean, obviously declining. But, you know, right now, look at the Cubs rotation. Uh, Jake Arietta, there's a good chance that Jake Arietta is your number two starter, your second best starter. Like I could argue today that Zach Davies, I'm not 100% confident that he could be, he's better than Jake Arietta you know. But uh, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, I don't expect much. I expect, I expect a guy who's going to give you innings. The Cubs obviously need starting pitching. I personally, I hope they're not done. I expect them to be done, but I hope they're not done. Uh, cause you still need more. And, and the more you bring in, even if it's guys, the more chance somebody breaks out, but you know, they will be, I expect, you know, Davies, Arietta, and Hendricks are all locked in to a spot, probably Trevor Williams as well. So at least you'll get a competition for a five spot with Azul and Mills and Cole Stewart and Shelby Miller. So, and Corey Abbott and some other guys, Tyson Miller. So who knows, maybe somebody will break out. So, but uh they need a starter, and I think he gives them some de- – uh, some not death, but stability. A guy who probably will throw – give you 150 innings. I,
0: I think that's optimistic to, to say. I mean, he hasn't gotten more than 150 innings since 2018. Maybe. Obviously, last year was uh, limited. But what we saw from – Jake in Philadelphia that was troubling is the velocity's down. I mean, his fastball's down almost four miles per hour from what we're used to. If you saw him leave the Cubs in 2017 and you haven't been paying attention to Jake Arrieta, he's throwing the ball a lot softer than he used to. Um, Also, the strikeouts are way down. From his peak with the Cubs, at the end of 2014, 2015, and into 2016, he's down about three strikeouts per nine innings. Walks are going up, so everything that you want to be trending in the right direction is trending the wrong way he has been battling injuries. It is possible. He, you know, he, he's comfortable at Wrigley field. He's you know, familiar with the uh, front office. Maybe he has some new life here towards the end of his career, but I think it would be very optimistic to get some big time innings from him here in 2021. He's just not the guy that he was. And, and something that I fear here and I don't want to see happen is, Is him struggle. I mean, be really bad on the mound as the Cubs, because this guy was really the face in many ways of the Cubs going for it there in the mid 20 teens, going for the World Series, playing the NLCS year in and year out. He was very much at the front end of that. He's not that guy anymore. And I don't want to see him out there struggling on a bad team as things get really ugly in the second half of the year but I I don't know. I, I, there's nothing I want to see more than Jake Arrieta go out and shove because he was awesome at his peak as a cub. He represented everything that was right with the team. He's just not that guy Age is catching up with him and I hope he can find something. I just don't buy it. I don't think it's going to end well.
1: Well, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you with the fact that he's not that guy. I mean, I don't think anybody that, you know, I don't think anybody thinks Jake Arrieta, the Cubs don't think, I don't think that he's going to come in and be anything close to the guy that he was the last time he was here. I don't think, you know, a one or even a two starter, but uh, I think the hope is that he's a guy that can give you innings and give you innings where, you know, keep the team in the ball games and give you a chance and, you know, maybe win some games. Uh, Cause what are the other options the Cubs have right now? I mean, they have to bring in somebody and they have to bring in some starting pitching and so, and you look at what's out on the market it's not like there's anybody out on the market right now that the cubs can go out and get and you could say confidently that this is the guy that is going to help you because you look at all the guys that are even out there Oda Rizzi, who i like and would would have preferred uh james paxton who i like it probably would have heard these are guys coming off of injuries and haven't had success in a few years other guys like fulton a, which is another one I, I think he might have signed actually with the rangers but um you know the market wasn't really there weren't a whole bunch of guys out there that i mean Trevor Bauer obviously but that you're going to bring in and say hey this is a guy so everybody had flaws and bringing in Jake i agree with you Jake was not the guy i necessarily wanted yeah. but i think there are reasons to think he can give you something and he improves the team and the sad thing is as i say every week is this division is terrible And so anybody that helps you is, is help. and and the Cubs pitching is terrible. So anybody that you bring in is an improvement and helps immensely. So I I want them to keep adding. I I, I don't expect them to, but I think they should because the division is there for the taking and you need pitching. So just keep adding pitching and see what happens. Given the the
0: storyline really all off season and the moves that they made trading you Darvish, we've been talking about, shrinking payroll, payroll limitations, whatever you want to call it, were you surprised at $6 million for Jake Arrieta?
1: Not quite now. I think at the start of the offseason, I would have been, but not after they've said for various reasons that we're going to increase spending or we have the ability to go more in spending. And $6 million, I mean, they're talking about getting fan; They're going to get fans into Arizona, as we'll talk about. We vaccines are coming. They're probably gonna get fans into the uh, ballpark at some point this season. We don't know when. I'm sure Chicago will be later than other places in the country, but things are gonna start ramping up. So it, it's not unsurprising to me that at this point they're like, "Okay, we can spend a little bit." I mean, they have kind of gone on a little run here over the last three weeks of adding in major league talent. They've signed what four or five major league contracts. You bring in Jock, you bring in Jake, you bring in. I mean, we'll talk about Mariznick. You bring in. I mean, even Cole Stewart was a major league contract, Trevor Williams, Austin Romine. So that's like 20 million. I mean, getting rid of that's basically Darvish's contract, but you know, that's probably upwards of 20 million maybe a little more. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me a ton that they're spending a little bit right now. And I I think Arietta, it's not a huge contract, 6 million for a starter.
2: Were you surprised Randall? Uh, you know I was. Uh they you know they brought in Jock, Jake, other Jake should have continued the thing the team and brought in uh, James Paxton just to keep the Jays going. I think for the I'm
0: all about the Jays, Randall. Bring them on. Me too, for all for the,
2: the six million they are ostensibly paying him. I, I also that would one have was rather for had, uh James Paxton or maybe Taiwan Walker, who I think maybe give you a little higher ceiling than what Arietta is likely to provide. Um But, you know, you're not sure what kind of offers are out there for those guys. You're not sure what they're looking for in a a destination team. They might be looking for a certain area, certain promises as far as innings. Um, If you believe certain reporters, Arietta had higher offers out there for him, and he took a little less money to come back to a team where obviously he has nothing but good memories. So as as Jeremy said, it is kind of a a roll of the dice right now. None of the options out there are particularly great. save maybe Oda Rizzi, and he's probably going to get a little more money than the Cubs are willing to spend, even with their quote unquote uh, budget increase. So they go with the guy who they've got familiarity with, and you could take the optimistic read. Obviously, the pitching coaches are different than they were when Arietta was last year, but the pitching infrastructure has improved a great deal. Arietta obviously has great comfort-, comfort in this team and with the organization. Maybe you hope he refines something here. Uh, in signing with the cubs so all of the options were a roll of the dice and they they rolled the dice to the option they're most familiar with and it's most familiar with them and sometimes that can help
1: yeah well, i mean, def- i just point out the that out that wasn't the pitching coach but he was he was here when jake was here you know he was still working in the part as part of pitching infrastructure still so, infrastructure still so he'll he should be used to him well they
0: obviously need arms. And hopefully, as you said earlier, Jeremy, this isn't the end of it. They, they need more arms. And I think that something that we've been hearing leading up to spring training is, like, we're not going to see, I think, 200 innings from maybe anybody next year. And in, in terms of starting rotations, it's going to be very, very limited in terms of workloads because starting pitchers last year didn't even have a full season. So you're going to need more than five guys for sure. You need that in any given year. But this year in particular, you need as many arms as you can get your hands on. We'll see what Jake brings back to the Cubs. Obviously wish him the best, but um, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm worried that this is going to end very badly. I don't want to see him struggling on the mound as a Cub, and I hope he proves me wrong. If there's one thing Jake Arrieta has done throughout his career, it's prove his naysayers wrong he did it repeatedly when it looked like his career was ending in Baltimore ended up emerging as one of the best pitchers in the National League so we'll see what happens but he's one of just two Jakes the Cubs have signed this week the other an outfielder Jake Marisnik, one and a half million dollars for the primarily defensive specialist he's been in the league for a long time actually going back to 2013 a mainstay since 2015 he's played for Miami Houston last year with the New York Mets Jeremy um, you were Excited with the signing in our text earlier in the week. Uh, as with every move that's happened this year, my initial response has been trash. You were a little bit more excited. What do you like here in Mariznick and what he brings to the Cubs? Well,
1: I, I'm a marginal value guy. I'll just put that out there. I, I think there is marginal value into bringing certain people in, and I think it improves your team. I don't think everybody is either like this guy's good and this guy's bad. I think you know there's for. Uh, you know, everything, incre- incremental things, too. And I think Marisna gives you something. I, I You look at it, he's, he's a great athlete. for He's a great defender. He can go get it um, in center field. I, I posit that he's probably even better than El Mora. I mean, he's clearly an El Mora replacement. Uh, they had no outfielders um, outside. I mean, they had four outfielders, Irvin, Hayward, Peterson and Hap, and they have nobody really to play center field. Honestly, even you could even argue Hap probably can't play center and jock. I mean, they have the ability to, but not great. And so if they're coming out, it's like, you get Marisdick in there. Has he hit a lot? No, he's obviously had the huge strikeout numbers. Uh, he's done better than against righties and lefties as you would expect, but he's not going to give you much offense but, you know, he's a big dude. He's like 6'4", 200 and some odd pounds, and he he has power. Like, if you see him when he connects with the ball, he can crush a baseball. And he has he can get to a baseball, and he gives you power, and he has some exit velo. So maybe there's a way – I doubt it, really. He's been, the, as you say, been in the league for seven years. He was in Houston. I'm sure if there was a way he could figure it out, he would have done it in Houston, although he did have one monster season in Houston. Um, but maybe there is a, an ability to get to the power a little bit more somehow. But he's gonna give you a defense at an elite level. He's gonna give you base running ability at a very high level. So he's a guy really you could put in late inning situations, especially with the extra hole, extra inning situation coming up, where you're gonna need guys on second base. So you need base runners, you know, and guys that could go out and catch it. So I like it. I, I, I like I'm not expecting much. He's a fourth, fifth outfielder, but he's a good guy to have on the bench, I think.
2: Yeah. You know, um, as Jeremy said, you can find value in marginal guys at the edge of the roster. Uh, he is an Al replacement um, offensively, as Jeremy said, he hasn't given you much in his career by OPS plus he's only had two seasons where he's been above league average uh, 2017, of course, the year of the trash can and 2020 the year of the throw everything into the trash can. But, um, but defensively, some stats for you, again, pulled by one of the, the beat writers, uh, Russ Dorsey of the Sun-Times. Uh, since coming to the league in 2013, Marisnyk has is plus 71 in defensive runs saved, plus 39 in outs above average, and that's a valuable glove to have on the bench. Late game situations, you can take Peterson out, you can shift half to left, and you can put Marisnik in center, and that's a good defensive outfield to close out games. Um, hitting at Wrigley, not a bad hitting environment, a lot of the season, assuming they play a full season. So there, there can be value in having a, a Jake Marisnick on the roster. And as Jeremy said, not every signing necessarily has to be, uh, a, a, a huge signing. And again, it's another guy who I think in a better off season, we would applaud them, uh, adding valuable pieces at the margins and to the core. And I think the only issue with it is that they haven't really added to the core, and it's been a lot more at the margin. So there's value in the Jake Marisnik on the roster.
1: You have to Randall, build a roster.
2: Oh, sorry. You go.
0: Well, I was just going to say, frankly, Jeremy, I think this is more important than what you were going to say. No, hey. Randall, you. do you know offhand Jake Marisnik's nickname? And this do is courtesy offhand. of baseball reference. It made me think of you.
2: Jake I didn't know it. I just nickname. read it here. It made me think of you. You know, I don't know his nickname, but I do have his page up, so I'm going to take a look at it. <laughs> and uh, you're going to have to explain <laughs> this one to me, Ronan. How, what, what's the connection here?
0: Randall, uh, Jake Mariznick is known as the... Big fudge, and when that. I think of Big Fudge, I think of you, Randall. And uh, what a great nickname for him. Um, one thing that that is kind of interesting is he actually hits right-handed. So the Cubs have an outfielder who's actually a right-handed batter. Everybody else is primarily from the left side. Uh, obviously, Hayward, Peterson, and Hap. Uh, so it is nice to get something. Of a different look there And if he can hit anything He's going to bring more than what Albert Amora Brought the last couple of years Jeremy, you mentioned a big home run season A couple years ago 16 home runs for the Houston Astros um, A number of years ago So he does have the ability To knock the ball out of the ballpark He'll offer a little bit of a different look But I am with you in that He isn't primarily there for his offense He's going to be a defensive replacement We're going to talk about the extra inning rules Here in just a moment But this is a guy who Not a big name signing by any means but uh, a guy that serves a role on a major league roster and can help a team win games
1: you you have to build a roster and like the way i look at it you know you need you need to build on the margins and you need to improve your team and there are guys that come and help you as the fifth outfielder the fourth outfielder that not everybody's going to get play time every game every day but you know all nine innings but you need to build a bench you have to build a bench and you need guys that can do certain different things and i mean i know you know, Philip Irvin as well is uh, I'm, I'm not like super high on Philip Irvin. I wish they had a better right-handed bat as well, but he's another right-handed bat who's had success against some left-handed pitching in his career. I, um You know, has an over 800 OPS against left-handed pitching, not a huge sample size, but he does have that. So it'll be interesting. I, I, I'm a little less high on Irvin than I am in on Marisnyk Cause I think Marisnyk actually gives you something that's really good for what he does. And he has some other benefits because I think he's, he can, you know, he swings and misses, but if he connects, the ball's going to go a long way.
0: And we're getting a little bit more clarity of what the major league roster is going to look like as we get closer to opening day. Um, It was a major league contract for Marisnik, as we mentioned at 1.5 million. So he'll be in the mix in the outfield, a little bit more clarity, what that opening day team is going to look like. And speaking of that, A lot of chirping here over the last couple of weeks about Cubs payroll increases. We got word that spring training is likely going to see up to 25% capacity. So uh, Cubs fans back out at Sloan Park here this spring. And then it seems overwhelmingly likely that there will be fans at Wrigley Field this summer. What exactly that looks like, if it ever gets to full capacity, a lot of things to fill in there. But I think the takeaway here is it's obvious that those revenue streams that Tom Ricketts has been crying about for the last couple of months are going to begin to open up again here. Fans are going to start going out to the ballpark. So, Randall, where where, do you, where does that leave you now? Like, What do you think you can expect here from this Cubs payroll? Is this just sort of friendly media members doing some PR for Tom Ricketts? Or is there actually some substantial money maybe pumping back into the Cubs Major League team here?
2: I think it's a little of both. You can never really discard friendly media members willing to carry water for billionaire ownership. Um, But as we keep getting better and better news regarding vaccinations, where the government continues to order more and more doses for people, and where more uh, manufacturers are able to get their vaccines approved, uh, especially the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, which is single dose, uh, does not require specialized uh, cold storage, um, and is more of a keep people out of the hospital vaccine than it is a complete prevention vaccine. As more of this begins to circulate and become more readily available. And Dr. Fauci made clear this week that he thinks April or so will be the point at which anyone who wants a vaccine can get one. That's the sort of thing that allows ballparks to start planning on reopening. It's not out of the question that as vaccinations become more and more common and more and more people get at least uh, protection if not complete immunity from the virus that you could see 25 even 50 percent capacity at wrigley as soon as the summer and that yeah. obviously begins that revenue flow back to the team and begins uh, it allows them to project out and uh, increase again increase in quotes increases payroll as they've done over the past month or so
0: is that the reed and randy johnson and johnson or uh, who put that one together
2: Uh, You know, I believe it's a a longstanding pharmaceutical corporation, but we always have to have the Cubs tie in here. So, yes, that is the the Reed Johnson and Randy Johnson vaccine. And between those two individuals, you could probably prevent quite a bit, quite a bit of contact and uh, quite a few hits from falling in.
1: I'm actually disappointed, Ronan. Uh, You did not go with the one dog there.
2: I know Lance.
0: I was thinking, I'm like, Oh, give me another Johnson. Give me another Johnson. I went with Randy, uh, the hall of famer, Jeremy, you're the season ticket holder in the group here though. You've got the partial plan out at Wrigley field Uh, looking ahead to next year. You've got to be pretty optimistic. You're going to be sitting out in the bleachers at some point in 2021.
1: Well, I'm very hopeful and I hope to be there the first day they allow fans into the ballpark. That that's my goal. Um, so I'm very hopeful. I think that, you know, obviously we're moving into a different place Randall I'll give a little breakdown of all the vaccines for you, but, uh, you know, just looking at it, I, I expect at some point, you know, to be able to get out to Wrigley. And I think that does help. I do think just to go back to what you originally asked, I do think that, um, there is a little bit of media play into it where, you know, Dave Kaplan's coming out being like, Oh, the Cubs have approval and all this stuff. But you do see, like I mentioned the last couple weeks, that uh, they've added some parts. They've added some major league parts. I don't know if they're done with that because now they've had two starters. They've added a couple of things. I hope they're not. I hope there's still guys out there that can help the team. There's still holes on the team who knows what's going on, but um, you know, I, I, they did do some things and I, and I'm curious to know if they hadn't trade Darvish in December, would they have held on to him at this point? Because it seems like their plan at the start of the offseason is currently a little bit different than their plan is now. And so yeah. I would like to know whether or not Darvish, if would he still be around?
2: It's, it's real funny to hear Jed Hoyer continue to say that they're in search of starting pitching.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Why, why is that, Jed? What happened? What happened that you are suddenly in search of starting pitching? Go on, tell us. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it would be very interesting to see what the team would look like right now if they had not traded Jarvis. I think we'd be a lot more optimistic about their chances within this division, Definitely. which is an exceedingly weak division, even with some of the recent moves by the Brewers and the Cardinals. If you had Darvish on this team and were pushing everyone else they've gotten the rotation down a slot, we'd be a lot higher on this team, and it, it makes the trade of Jarvis um, even more suspect in hindsight.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'd probably I mean, I'm the optimist in this group, but I'd probably have the Cubs as the favorite slight favorite like I am last year. But Darvish, a true ace, a top five pitcher in baseball. We'll see maybe all the Cubs and fans in 2018 were right. Marietta was the guy they should have held on to. And so we'll get that chance.
0: I'm I'm hopeful, too, that we'll get a little bit more clarity here into the next week. Spring training is going to open up on Wednesday. By the time we record next, Jed Hoyer will have another media session. And maybe there'll be a little bit more clarity or at least a better idea of the last thing that I remember Jed Hoyer saying was they appear to be more now on the high end of whatever their window of what the payroll was supposed to be. Maybe they'll have some more info on that. And if fans are going back out to the ballpark, payroll has to be going back up. Um, I mean, it shouldn't have gone down in the first place. You you figure Tom Ricketts and uh, everything that they have could weather the storm of one really bad year. But Things are trending in the right direction, at least, and um, we'll see. I'll say, though, just watching the Super Bowl uh, last week, I was a little bit taken aback by the number of fans in that ballpark, and the first touchdown that Brady threw, the roar of the crowd, it it just kind of brought back memories of, oh, yeah, this is kind of what it's like when people show up and go to sporting events. I'm looking for that excitement again with baseball. It will be great when fans can safely be back out of the ballpark, and I hope we never have something like last year ever again.
1: Yeah, and they still have two moves to make, you know, obviously with Arietta and Marisnik. so two moves to take off the 40-man because they're at full. So it'll be interesting to see what they do then and whether or not maybe they do more and see if there's another opening.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and with all the payroll talk too. Sorry, Randall, but there's Mm -hmm. also that possibility of more subtractions from the roster. We heard Chris Bryant's name pop up again this week, sort of with rumors to the New York Mets. Wilson Contreras, for obvious reasons, is a target for many teams. He's a great player. Backstops are in short supply and a guy with his skill set, a great offensive player, improved uh, defensive play as well and receiving skills. He's obviously somebody a lot of teams would want to have. So there is a possibility that there could be some big time names still coming off the roster and maybe next week when jed addresses the media we'll get a little bit more clarity what the game plan is towards opening day
1: I, w- I would i'm gonna say something that i know is gonna be proven wrong but my assumption is i feel like if there's not a major trade by like say monday that there's probably not going to be one because you got spring training starting in a week and it's I, I feel like it'd be very difficult to trade somebody not impossible but difficult to trade somebody especially a guy like chris bryant who you're like I I don't know where Chris Bryant is right now, but it wouldn't surprise me if he's already in Arizona.
2: He was in Las Vegas, as well, a, not too
1: far from Arizona. He was.
2: So in it Las wouldn't Vegas. surprise me if he
1: was getting to Arizona, and like if you're let's as say a, trading him to a Grapefruit League team, that's a wrestler. whole big deal to get him all the way to Florida and having to find a place in COVID, you know. So like I I would if he wants to be traded, I would think it's got to be a lot sooner than because otherwise he he's going to get to t- be going to Arizona very soon, and I would think you want him to know what his plan is for the season and it would be kind of a dick move to do something before that
2: well we we could potentially have a big weekend uh, ahead of us then a a lot to keep an eye on looking at the 40-man roster right now as they still have to add Marisnik and Arietta Jake and Jake um, I think uh, Sergio Alcantara the infielder they claimed from Detroit is probably a candidate to be put on waivers to clear a spot and I'm wondering if uh, rule five pick pitcher Gray Fenter they try and work something out where they can uh, take him off the 40 man, but you know, that's clerical stuff on the 40 man roster. It's good to have them. It's it's good to worry about that. Actually, it's good to see them adding pieces higher up on the roster that necessitate maybe clearing some space at the bottom of the roster. Hopefully, the very bottom of the roster is where the cleared space comes from, as Jeremy said, mm-hmm. I,
0: I it can't be lost to that jeremy's sort of speculating i wonder where chris Bryant is where could he be and without randall a moment's knows. notice randall knows. randall knows that the tracking beacon is set randall knows exactly where all of the cubs are at any given minute without hesitation he was ready to give us an update that's pretty impressive randall
2: the the uav the, the uav has a, a 20 on chris <laughs> Bryant right now he is safe and sound in las vegas he's <laughs> got the drones out there well
0: speaking of randall One of his all-time favorite baseball players has signed uh, an extension or going back to St. Louis for one more year, one year, nine million dollars for Yadier Molina, the longtime backstop for the Cardinals. He's going back. They just added Nolan Arenado. Obviously, they're trying aggressively to win this National League Central. Randall, I got to start with you. How does it make you feel one more year at least of Yadier Molina down in St. Louis?
2: I don't know if indifference is the right word, but I never expected him to go anywhere in the first place. He was never going to sign anywhere else. He was never going to retire. You know, he. I'm sure Yadier made himself feel real special by saying that if he didn't get an offer he liked, he would have retired. There was no chance of that ever. It was just a matter of what they could work out, um, especially once Wainwright came back. I think it was a fait accompli. So honestly, I never expected it to change in the first place. So I'm happy to report. I feel my usual uh, seething bubbling hatred for him uh, and will continue to do so for the near future.
1: I agree with Randall um, per usual that he probably was never going to go anywhere else, but it would have been fun. I think to have seen him in a different uniform, just for the sake of seeing Cardinals fans having to deal with that and Yachty having to deal with that, you know, I have some strong emotions with Jim Edmonds, but it was kind of fun to see Jim Edmonds in a, in a Cubs uniform, hitting some homers and talking some smack to Tony La Russa. Like I, I like that, and I'm sure Bulls fans of the '90s kind of felt the same way with Dennis Rodman a little bit. <laughs> but uh, you know, yadi he was always going back to St. Louis. It was, it was never a question. Yeah, but it would have been fun to see him somewhere the, else. The, the one thing that
0: would have been a little bit of fun. I had this conversation many times with Ray over the last couple of months is when Tony La Russa went to the White Sox and there were going to be some moves behind the backstop for the Sox. You could maybe see that sort of happening. I mean, we all sort of thought inevitably he was going to go back to St. Louis, but the White Sox was a possibility that would have been interesting to see him on the South side, hated in Chicago for obvious reasons, reunited with Tony Larusa and that interesting White Sox team. Alas, he goes back to St. Louis and uh, most certainly will end his career as a St. Louis Cardinal. Uh, however many years he ends up sticking around.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, Wainwright, Wayne you could have said the same about uh, yeah. White Sox needed pitching too.
0: Well, they got Lance Lynn, so everything's good. Yeah,
1: perfectly fine, right? another yeah. Cardinal.
0: Well, you know, we've, we've got this open invitation to our buddy Ray to come in and give us the White Sox scoop. He told us today for sure before the start of the season. And we don't know if he means the baseball season, the football season, Rabbit the 2025 season, NCAA season. season. We don't know what he's talking about. But at some point, he'll grace us with his presence and we'll get some White Sox talk uh, straight from uh, our Biggest White Sox fan friend, uh, Mr. Ray Bluntz. Um, one
1: other move, speaking well, he of has guys to get ready that... now. Just, just, he has to get ready now to get on there.
0: Oh, he's preparing. He start preparing he's preparing at this yeah. moment. Every week though, this is week, this is technically week six of the show. We did sort of a pre-recording before we started doing the weekly published shows. Six for six. Six straight no's from Mr. Ray, and uh, we'll get him when we get him, but he's an avid listener. He listens to every minute of every podcast here, and we do appreciate that from him. We'll get him on soon. Yeah, I know know the audience is looking forward to it. I think he's going to be a big hit when we can finally get him on the show. I'm speaking of big hits. Another one of Randall's guys, Ryan Braun in the news this week. A lot of uncertainty whether or not he will be back in Milwaukee. No contract right now. It would be the first time since 2006 the Milwaukee Brewers would take the field without Ryan Braun. How would that make you feel, Randall Sanders, to see a Milwaukee Brewers game next year without Ryan Braun?
2: You know, uh, I don't hate the idea. I believe Ryan Braun was quoted as saying, uh, let's see if we can get the exact quote here. Yes, Ryan Braun says he's not currently interested in playing. Uh, probably the one time I've agreed with Ryan Braun in our respective careers, I'm also not interested <laughs> in him playing. Um, you know, I, maybe I say something about you were a worthy opponent. I'll save that for somebody else. I hate you. Stay retired.
1: No uh, Jewish simpatico with him, Ryan Braun? Absolutely not.
2: We've got Jack Peterson, nice Jewish boy on the team now. That's all I need. Stay, stay where you are, Ryan.
1: You're good. Well, the Cubs do need, as Ronan's been mentioning, they need a right-handed outfield bat to hit some left-handed pitching, and we know Ryan Braun can do that. He can hit some bombs. Yeah, Ryan cub, Braun can, can hit some can left-handed some pitching.
0: Absolutely.
2: Imagine how victories would gain simply by not having Braun hit against you.
0: Uh, absolutely, Cub killer throughout his career. Oh God, and, yeah. uh, Ryan, I'm just looking at his you know, career stats, it, it, some monster seasons there. God, at this point, we're talking about a dozen years
2: ago
1: or so, 2010, 2011. Randall's making some motions. I, I, I do I, wish our you audience... want Ryan Braun to be vaccinated? Is that what you're saying?
2: <laughs> that's, that's one way to look at it, Jeremy. There's, there's definitely a needle and a syringe involved.
0: I do wish our audience could see the faces Randall makes while we record these podcasts. Uh, a very animated character here. Randall, quick trivia on Ryan Braun. How many home runs did he hit in 2019?
2: How many runs did he hit in 2019? I'm going to go with
0: 32. Ah, come on. There's a reason I asked. 22 uh, 20, home 22, runs.
2: 22 home runs, of course. From
0: Ryan Bond. Uh, his uh, see, career high, rather, 2012, he had 41 home runs, a number of 30 home run seasons, and as you mentioned, Randall, a cub killer in his time. But we'll see. He, he's always sort of had a flair for the dramatic Will, if he really wants to play, the Brewers are going to find a spot for him. They'll be able to work out some numbers that are going to uh, pay him. Um, but we'll see what happens. And if Ryan Braun is back in the NL Central next year. And Ryan, Ryan, got a Braun, good
1: question.
2: Ryan Braun, 352 home runs in his career, all 400 of them against the Cubs.
1: I'm <laughs> Just to ask a quick question. Uh, we'll see if Ryan knows the answer. In 2009, there were four Jewish Major League Baseball All-Stars. Do you have any idea who the four were? I'm going to go with
2: Braun. I'm going to go mm-hmm. with Ian Kinsler. That's correct. Uh, that was too early for Jock, and that wasn't. That wouldn't have been his all-star year anyway. So we've got Braun. We've got Ian Kinsler. Uh, ooh, the other two are tough. Um,
1: I'll give a hint. The other two yeah. have some connection to the
2: Cubs. The other two have some connection to the Cubs. One of them wouldn't have been Scott Feldman. No. Would it have, no, it would not have been Scott Feldman. Um, you are going to have to give me – oh, no. No, you're going to have to give me the other two. You're going to have to give me the other two, Jeremy.
1: One is Kevin Euclid, who was All a right. special advisor with the Cubs during the Theo era. All right. And the other one is our old friend, and to go back to the 2008 Cubs, Jason Marquis. Wow. With the Colorado Rockies.
2: Those are those, that, that, That's a good trivia, Jeremy. That's quality mm-hmm. Jewish trivia there. <laughs>
0: Uh, looking ahead here to 2021, we did want to touch on some Major League Baseball rule changes. We've gotten more clarity on what the season's going to look like—a full 162-game schedule. Some rules are staying from last year. Some rules are changing. Uh, quick rundown here: any double headers scheduled and played this season will indeed be seven-inning double headers. So something which is sticking along from last year. Um, also that uh, extra runner or gift runner, whatever you wanna call it in the uh, starting at second base in the 10th inning, we will see that. We will not see a designated hitter in the National League. So at least one more chance of maybe Jake hitting a home run out of Wrigley Field this year. Also, no expanded playoffs this season for Major League Baseball. The collective bargaining agreement will be up uh, at this time next year. uh, And there could be very, very different changes at that point. But what we know, seven inning doubleheaders, that gift runner at second base to start extra inning games, no NLDH, no expanded playoffs. Jeremy, overall, what do you think about that? What do you like? What do you not like?
1: Well, the first thing I think about it, I do find it a bit humorous because in 2020 for as part of the health protocols, the universal DH was a part of that, but now it seems to be more like a bargaining chip and a negotiation negotiating tool that the owners and MLB did not include that. So that is a bit humorous to me. Um, thinking about it. I'm not a big fan of the extra runner on just immediately in the 10th inning. I know Jed likes it. Um, but if you're going to do it to me, it's like doing an 11th or the 12th or a little bit ways to go. Don't do it immediately in the 10th. But now I, like I said earlier, I think Marisnik's going to be a, a guy you see used in that spot a lot where, you know, maybe a slow runner and outfielder out there. Uh, you could put Marisnik at second base. He's a fast guy. He might currently be the fastest player on the team. So I could see him being there and the seven inning double headers, I'm not a huge fan of, but it's an easy way to get games in that teams miss. Cause you look at hockey, NBA or whatever, college basketball, all these games are being canceled and they don't have easy ways to get them in because they're not doing double headers. And so a couple seven inning games, it's, it's an easy way to get it in. I mean, you see in the minors all the time. So it's a way to get games in. Hopefully it doesn't not here to stay, but I can understand that one for COVID.
2: Yeah, uh, of, of the four listed elements here, I have the least issue with the seven-inning doubleheaders. Um, the, the players seemed like it, they were big fans of that. Um, so I have no issue with that, especially as Jeremy said. You have no idea what's going to happen to the schedule on a regular basis, and it makes it that much easier to get in a canceled or a postponed game. So I don't have any big issue with that. The runner at second to start the 10th inning, that's where I'm going to cash in my one. Old man curmudgeon card. I hate it. I yeah. hate. It. I could deal with it if you're going to say start it in the 12th inning or the 13th inning just to get the game over at that point. Starting it in the 10th inning, I, I abhor. I, I'm not a big fan of that at all. The DH, I was fine with. Um, some of my greatest baseball memories involve pitchers hitting. Carlos Sombrano could hit. I personally witnessed a John Lester home run uh, at Wrigley Field in 2018. Some of my greatest memories involve pitchers hitting. Um, I, I have no issue with the DH coming in because pitchers hitting by and large is an ugly experience, um, and no expanded playoffs. I was in favor of them not expanding the playoffs in the first place. I'm fine with them going back to it. So the one I have the biggest issue with is the runner at second to start the 10th. It just seems like a cheap way to ensure the ball game arrives at an artificial conclusion as soon as possible, instead of letting it play out.
0: Yeah, it, it's way too much of an adjustment for something, I mean, something like seven to 10% of major league baseball, like over the course of your 162 game season, seven to 10% of your games are going to go extra innings. Um, Also, and beyond the box score had a great write-up on this, 80% of major league games that go extra innings are resolved by the end of the 12th inning. So maybe starting in the 13th or even starting in the 12th, If you need to put that ghost runner whatever you want to call it out there at second, I'm a little more open to it. But to have it be in the 10th inning where one out of 10 games goes extra innings, that's way too much of a change. And having a runner at second base drastically changes how that inning plays out. Uh, You know, just having a runner at second base to open an inning severely increases the likelihood that you're going to score a run. So I don't really love it. I think it's too much of an overreaction. I'm with you guys on the seven inning double headers in a normal season. I wouldn't really want that. This is still not going to be a normal baseball season. There are still some lingering effects of COVID, Uh, even the arms. We talked about this earlier. Major League Baseball pitchers are going to be eased back into things, into a full workload this year. So seven-inning double headers, I'm fine with this year. this year. I really hope that is not the case moving forward, although I bet that that is going to stick around long-term in the Major Leagues. Runner at second, got to do something with that. Just bump it back three innings, and you're going to get a lot more buy-in, even from the, the old-school, obnoxious baseball fans like me, who like to fight a lot of rule changes. No expanded playoffs, very important, especially with a full season. Major League baseball has to protect the integrity of the regular season otherwise there's no reason for it going from april until october make those games count make every single game of the regular season count if you dilute the playoffs have too many teams in it what's the point what happened last year where the cubs win the division and they're eliminated in two games by miami i don't like that i I have a big enough problem the divisional series is just the best of five i think that should be a best of seven series so not a big fan there um and the dh it's just I don't like the DH. I think it's inevitable. I, I think it should be in the National League this year, and it's going to be that way moving forward anyway. But I think we're in agreement that the worst of it all is probably that gift runner at second base to open the 10th inning.
2: I'm fine with it in the minor leagues, which are yeah. supposed to be developmental. There's nothing to be gained by your 20-year-old backup catcher having to come in to pitch the 16th inning at A-ball. This is, this is MLB. This is the major leagues. You need to try and let the games play out again I could deal with it if it's the 10, if it's the 12th inning or later. 10th inning is too early. I'm vehemently against this.
1: I agree with you. I like I said 12 or 13th inning as you said, I 100% agree with it. Selfishly as a Cubs fan in 2021, the expanded playoffs is an easy way for the Cubs to get yeah. into the playoffs. So, but I agree with you overall. Although I would say there are ways that I don't expect MLB to do, but there are ways to, you know, develop a postseason system with expanded playoffs that could favor teams greatly that perform in the regular season that give them an advantage. But, um, no, I agree with you guys completely. I, I'm not a big fan. It, it's just – it's like immediately you go to that extra inning and then the whole game changes, and I'm not a fan of that. That I don't like that.
2: You, you yeah. could lose on a giving up a blue pit to, to lead off that 10th inning. I, I don't like it. If, in case anybody out there was unclear, I don't like it. <laughs>
1: Big flesh well, is not like it.
0: There may be a couple other little things changing between now and opening day. There will obviously be some COVID protocols that are still going to play out. Um, but we again, we get closer to opening day, a little bit of a better idea of what to expect this season. And, collective bargaining agreement is going to be a major talking point here over the next 12 months. So every little thing that happens is just part of a broader conversation that's coming up, and we know is going to be contentious here at the end of the year. And, uh, you know, it is interesting to watch it play out, but it sucks too that there is going to be this distraction over the sport here and there is not a good balance right now between the owners and the players. There is a very real possibility of a work stoppage or some missed ball games here going into next season. And you know, last year was a fractured year. This year is still gonna feel like a fractured season. If you lose more time next year because of collective bargaining issues, I think that's gonna be a major problem for the sport. That's three years in a row where you're looking at not a full season playing out. I don't think that's a good thing. So I hope they can work things out. I hope it's balanced so that the players aren't totally getting screwed. And um, more importantly, I hope us fans aren't getting screwed by these players and owners not being able to work something out here and figure out how to delegate the billions of dollars that they're making every single year.
1: No, hundred percent agreed. Obviously looking back at last year, they had so much labor strife and it was all for naught as they just ended up playing under the original agreement because they never agreed to anything. So that was just a waste, and all it did was entrench both sides. I think you see the players really got screwed in the last two labor agreements. And in 2012, 2016 is more just like an extension of 2012, but with even more draconian penalties. And so I think they're like, we need to stand up for ourselves. And the owners have just been bad faith negotiating through the media. So it's going to be – I just can't – I feel like there will be – there won't be resolved before – The uh, CBA ends, but I hope that it's resolved, you know, up until spring training, I I wouldn't be surprised if you miss some spring training time, but hopefully before a regular season, but I agree with you, it's going to be the underlying theme of the entire season so yeah be disappointing,
0: something that gives me hope, and I readily admit I could be totally naive on this front, but something that gives me hope is that because revenue has been disrupted the last two years because of COVID, the owners will be a little bit more agreeable just to get a normal season in next year, um, next year meaning 2022. And by then we will have full seasons and full ballparks across the United States. So maybe that will end up being a blessing in disguise that the pocketbooks have already been hurt because of COVID. There'll be more of a vested interest in not missing any games in 2022. It's certainly something we're going to continue to continue about over the next couple of months. And we'll see how that all plays out. Um, now, just a quick, quick note on something here that came up this week. The closest thing we'll get to sort of a political statement maybe on this podcast, but Mark Cuban in the news, the Dallas Mavericks owner, and at one point in time, the future owner of the Chicago Cubs, at least in theory, Mark Cuban, uh, requested no national anthems played at Dallas Mavericks regular season games this year. The NBA very quickly swooped in after that and said, no, you're not going to do that. And did indeed force the team to go back to playing the national anthem, but it brought up a question and a, question that really had some contentious responses uh, in the world here over the last couple of days. And that's been, uh, is there a reason Is there a purpose for playing the national anthem before every single sporting event here in the United States? Every single regular season Major League Baseball game. But it's not just that. It's football games. It's high school games. It's minor league games. You name it. If there's a sporting event taking place, there's probably an anthem played before it. Randall, where are you on that front? Is that something that should continue to be a staple of Major League Ballparks every day?
2: I don't think it needs to be. I think we would be just fine if it were not a staple being played before every sporting event. Uh, The NFL where the anthem obviously has come into play greatly in the last decade, the anthem didn't used to be a big deal before NFL games. And then the military started spending on recruiting budget and advertising and using the NFL as a partner for that. And the anthem suddenly became a big deal over the course of uh, some years. Uh, No, I I don't think we'd be any worse off if we didn't play the anthem before each game, I would miss uh, Wayne Messmer singing the anthem, but that's a a Wayne Messmer uh, approval less so than it is missing the anthem. I think we would be just fine without it.
1: I agree, uh, I guess, with Randall. Um, You know, the anthem has a history of, you know, really getting into into sporting events, you know, during wartime as a patriotic message. And we saw similar things after 2001, which obviously was very time where a lot of people came together, very patriotic time. Um, And you started to hear more like God bless America and things like that. And, you know, it's been 20 years later, and we're still hearing God Bless America at ballparks um, quite often. Uh, I mean, they do it regularly I, I think, on Sundays. Sundays, yeah. Yeah. And so, holidays. Yeah, and holidays. And, you know, they do it in New York a lot, um, obviously. But, you know, for me, it's always been like, okay, I, I get it and I understand it, but it's a little bit – I feel like it's a little much – uh, I don't have a problem with the Anthem, obviously, in terms of just the Anthem in general. I always stand for the Anthem. I I believe in the Anthem. I believe in this country. Um, I believe, in, you know, on our flag and all it represents. But I understand it, that not everybody has the same feeling. And, I, you know, it's everybody's right to express their feeling as they feel they need to, um, as long as you're not harming anybody else, in my opinion. But, uh, you know, I can understand, like, it's kind of something that I've always thought, like, you know, the flyover is cool. And I like that. Um, soldier field, you know, that's a big deal at soldier field because it's literally a living or not living, but it's literally a monument to the soldiers of world war one. That's what it is. It's a memorial. Um, so it's a huge part of that. Uh, you know, and then they're also sponsored by Boeing and that becomes a whole thing, but you know, as, that as well, but like, okay, I'm there to see a baseball game. I don't need to be, you know, that's just my opinion. It, I, I can understand where Mark Cuban, when there's no fans there, you know, nobody noticed it until, like, so, like it was until, like, 13 games in that somebody finally noticed it and said, hey, have they been playing the anthem here? And everybody's like, no, they haven't been playing the anthem. And it wasn't a big deal. Nobody cared until, yeah. you know. So, like, I can understand it for, like, 4th of July, Memorial Day, certain events, maybe Sundays, like God Bless America. But, like, you know, the players in baseball at Wrigley – if you go, if you're there early, traditionally, uh, maybe it's changed a little bit the last couple of years necessarily. But they're not out there a lot. They're in the clubhouse. They're in, you know, and not everybody there is American, especially these baseball teams and you know hockey teams, obviously. But so it's like, you know, I, it's it's an interesting thing. Um, but I'm not. If it goes away, I wouldn't miss it. I, I definitely have n- nostalgic
0: connections to it. There's something about going out to Wrigley Field seeing the anthem, the roar of the crowd at the end of it. And that's the start of the ball game. There's a ritual to it. It's been a tradition and a staple at Wrigley Field since the 1960s. And the interesting thing on that front is that PK Wrigley, was opposed to it being played before every game. He thought it cheapened the experience. If you play the national anthem, it really turned the, the narrative for him was the involvement in the Vietnam War. He said, look, we're a country at war now and we should be playing it. And since then, the Cubs have been playing the national anthem at Wrigley Field. So... On one hand, it's been a staple for the last 60 years or so at the ballpark. On the other hand, it was not always the case where games started with the National Anthem. So there is some give and take there. Um, generally, I love it. Uh, you know, Wayne Mesmer singing it, it. It's a very neat thing to see 40,000 people taking a moment before the game starts and then ending with that rousing ovation. You could maybe sell me, though, on, on saving it for big moments, maybe making it more special, as you alluded to there, Jeremy. Opening day. Memorial Day, 4th of July, Flag Day, June 14th. You know, the, the, the days, there are so many major holidays that take place over the course of the season that fall in line with Major League Baseball games. So maybe there is something there to that. Playoff games, you could see the importance maybe of it there, but I I'm, I'm, think that this is a conversation that is not going to be going away. And we'll see what happens with it moving forward if teams back off and try to celebrate it more. I do think they're really pushing it now with God Bless America in the seventh inning on Sundays. Like like the one anthem before the game is good. I don't know that we need to be stopping play to do another like sort of secondary national anthem or another patriotic song in the middle of a game. It just seems to be a little bit much. Maybe save that for Memorial Day, Flag Day, Fourth of July, things like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, keep I... it. If you need to keep it, keep it on the the patriotic holidays. Give uh, Wayne Messmer the opportunity to sing "It's a Beautiful Day" for a ball game a cappella prior to the game, and everything solved. We we still get Wayne, and we don't have the anthem before every game.
0: And and a little a fun fact here for our audience as well. Did you know that there is one member, one host of this podcast, who sang his own solo rendition of the national anthem. On the North Shore, as a camp counselor, I'll let you take a guess who you think sang that national anthem. Um, let me put it this way. Jeremy and I have been trying for years to find some type of an audio recording from that day. But, uh, Randall, is there anything you could share from that day where you led the kids in a national anthem, a rousing rendition of the national anthem? No. That was about 08, though, or so. It might have been you know, a day Ronnie Cedeno was playing third for the Cubs. It was a much somewhere. more patriotic
2: time somewhere in the mid to late 2000s, and I think that's all I'm going to offer on the subject.
0: All right, one other thing here we want to touch on in terms of minor league baseball, and this really is a shout-out to our our friend Ryan McVeigh, who's also a big-time listener of the pod. We're going to get him on here in a couple of weeks. Maybe the biggest Kane County Cougars fan that you're going to find in all of the Chicagoland area. Um, Unfortunately for the Cougars, they have been on the wrong side of this realignment of minor league baseball. They've lost their official alignment with Major League Baseball. They've now gone to Indie Ball, one of many moves across the minors, Randall. Uh, But this is a loss, I feel, for the Chicagoland area. King County has a long-standing tradition of drawing uh, big-time crowds to the ballpark in Geneva. They have had some great Cubs go through there through the years, including Kyle Schwarber, but no longer affiliated in uh, minor league baseball. Feels like a loss for the area, Randall.
2: It does. And you feel for the minor league organizations that uh, lost their affiliations in realignment and have had to scramble to try and find uh, new leagues to play in Uh, the Kane County Cougars, formerly of the Midwest league are now in the independent American association where they will play against the Chicago dogs uh, Mm. any number of times a year. So I'm sure those two teams are excited about maybe trying to put together a rivalry and advertise that. Um, Quickly, as it pertains to the Cubs, the Iowa Cubs end up in uh, a new A East uh, conference and in a division alongside the Columbus Clippers, Indianapolis Indians, the Louisville Bats, the Omaha Storm Chasers, the newly minted Triple A St. Paul Saints, affiliated with the Minnesota Twins, and the Toledo Mudhens. Um, so the divisions uh, across the minor leagues have been uh, realigned a little bit to reduce travel for right now. Um, Uh, A little bit of a point of contention today, apparently, is that these are all completely generically named AAA East, AAA West, AA East South, or I'm sorry, AA Central, Northeast and South. And these, of course, will all be sponsored sooner versus later. Um, Some people griping about the loss of names like the New York Penn League, uh, the International League, the Pacific Coast League, and so on. Um, So we obviously won't read the full chart to you, but you can find it online at your resource of choice. Um, So the minor leagues have been realigned. There are, of course, only four levels now, AAA, AA, low A, and high A. Some teams have been bumped from low A to high A. Some teams have been bumped uh, from high A down to low A. Some organizations, like the Fresno Grizzlies, were bumped from AAA all the way down to low A. Um, And as we alluded to just a moment ago, some teams that were aligned have been uh, removed from their affiliations completely and have become either independent teams or collegiate wood bat leagues. So a lot of the minor league teams, for the most part, are staying the same, but there has been some, uh, some shifts on the edges here, and some franchises have been associated with new, new organizations, so it'll, it'll take a little getting used to for people who spend a lot of time covering the minor leagues and going to minor league games, and these organizations especially, you hope they're able to welcome fans back in this season. Uh, Cause of course the minor leagues are all about getting fans through the gates and that is where they, they make their money. So you hope all these organizations are able to welcome fans back into their ballparks this season.
1: I, I agree. That's disappointing that there's no more affiliated baseball as of now in Chicagoland or, you know, outside of Chicago. Uh, I'm not sure where you would say the closest is South Bend. You could probably look it up. Uh, but Beloit? Uh, Beloit, I was thinking Beloit was my number two, but, um, that's a disappointment i know senator sanders was a big man today he put out a tweet about losing his beloved vermont lake monsters um in burlington vermont but uh you know it's it's interesting I, as randall mentioned a lot of the these names right now are placeholders i assume some will be sponsored maybe all will be sponsored as he said i know that um some of the leagues have given over their property to major league baseball so i like places like the pacific coast league they major league baseball does have, have the rights to use some of these leagues if they want to likenesses and property. And, and um, but uh, you know, it's interesting. They realigned uh, if you're a Minnesota twin or a St. Paul Saint, you probably don't have to move ever. You can just keep one apartment. And uh, if you get called up or sent down, you're, you're in luck. And that's really a big point of this is they're trying to, you know, streamline all the minor leagues, make it more under major league baseball control uh, more under each club's affiliated, you know, control And so, you know, you lose a lot of the charm of like an independent minor league baseball, something that was its own, had been around for a hundred years. Now it's just major league baseball, but as a major league organization, I can understand why you want to have more control over where your players are going. So, and major changes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah.
0: Major changes totally across the whole minor league spectrum. Just sucks that King County was on the losing end of that. Uh, full disclosure I had an internship with the Kane County Cougars back in 2006 was awesome to be spending every single day at a minor league ballpark Um, fun story too it was just getting to pull the tarp and spend some time in the dugout and all the different things that you get to do the Cougars are really good about fan engagement and they drew very well in their time so hopefully for them they can do a couple of years in indie ball fix up the ballpark a little bit and then find a professional affiliation down the road Um, Randall I'm not sure if you'd mentioned this but with the Cubs sticking with the Iowa Cubs, a 10-year contract extension with the Iowa Cubs. So long standing relationship between Des Moines and Chicago. And it's good to see that continue. Uh, I think Des Moines is a great place. I don't want the Cubs AAA affiliate to be right near Chicago. I want those players in Des Moines to be like, it's a big time upgrade to go from Des Moines to Chicago. I want to earn it going to the Chicago Cubs. Um, I know that was something that years ago was talked about. Why don't the Rosemont, uh, what are they, the Wolves, the Chicago Wolves? Why aren't they the Blackhawks' top affiliate? I'll tell you why. You want your minor leaguers living in Rockford because they'll want to get out of Rockford. If they're living in Rosemont, they're basically, you know, Chicago Blackhawks at that point. So I do think there is some benefit there to putting your top minor league team in a place that eh, Des Moines' not Chicago. I think there's a benefit to that.
1: Right. And there's a and, long
0: standing history, obviously. And as you
1: said, all these contracts are 10 year contracts. So there's going to yeah. be stability in this for a long time, no two or four year deals. Yes. This is 10 years
2: in the press release from major league baseball today. The affiliations are now what are called PDL licenses, professional development league licenses. And that is the collective name for the affiliated minor leagues. Now are the professional development leagues and among the improvements that are listed here. And, you know, we can maybe another day delve into just kind of what these mean and how accurate all these are, but real quick to lead off the list. Increasing player salaries in the minor leagues anywhere from 38 to 72%. That's been a big topic topic of discussion the last few years is increasing pay for the minor league players and paying them a livable wage. Uh, So hopefully that leads to that becoming the standard. Um, Modernizing the minor league ballparks, which is a point of contention for a lot of organizations. The Cubs, of course, have put a lot of money into uh, the facilities at South Bend, leading to them using it as their alternate training site in 2020. Improving the amenities and the working conditions for players and staff, which goes into improving the facilities. Uh, As we mentioned, better geographical alignment and reducing the in-season travel for players and coaches. Obviously, you're riding the buses a lot of the times down in the minor leagues and especially in the lower minor leagues. Um, So a big part of the realignment is trying to reduce that travel a little bit, Um, especially right now. Maybe it's better to reduce the amount of time players are spending on a cramped bus. Yeah. Um, in close quarters. So all of this and more part of, as Jeremy mentioned, MLB taking control of the affiliated minor leagues. And um, again, something to watch in the season ahead.
0: Yeah. We bring things home today with some sad news. Longtime Major League Baseball journalist Pedro Gomez passed away on Sunday, just 58 years old. You've known him on ESPN since 2003. Long history, though, covering Major League Baseball before that. In fact, just before ESPN with the uh, Arizona Republic and Phoenix on the national baseball beat. Also a long time in the Bay Area. Really surprising news, though. I mean, this is a guy that we've seen on the beat for the last 20 years generally loved all of the, a lot of praise for him here from his colleagues over the last couple of days and, and just shocking young man um, lost us uh, too soon and uh, this would definitely hit me a little bit seeing Pedro pass away
1: yeah. very sad I was just gonna say you know seemingly the only person that Barry Bonds seemingly trusted in the media because I mostly remember Pedro Gomez as the Barry Bonds whisperer just following him around from about 2000, you know, two, three to 2007, when he ended his career, trying to get, you know, race to, uh, you know, uh, Hank Aaron's number. So I guess 2003 was when he was ESPN. So, uh, Hank Aaron's number. So, you know, that's, he's the one guy that seemed like, as you said, beloved by everybody. Yeah. So I, that's, that's my big Pedro Gomez is remember him as Barry Bonds, following him around.
2: Yeah. Pedro Gomez, a, a big loss for, uh, the MLB family, you know, ESPN, uh, and their baseball coverage responsible for a lot of my formative years as a fan. And even though I've moved away from them uh, a fair bit in the last few years, Pedro Gomez was always a constant in their coverage. And after the uh, hour support colleagues from players cover, no one seemed to have even a, a bad word to say about him. Former colleagues telling stories of him standing up for them uh, in the office with maybe veteran curmudgeony managers. Uh, he had a son, a minor league pitcher for the Boston Red Sox. So he uh, he kind of had skin in the game in that regard. And uh, just a, a loss of seemingly a beloved man too soon.
0: Well, uh, thanks for bringing that home, Randall. And, and uh, it is tough, uh, obviously, and an uh, amazing legacy that he left on the sport of baseball. Um, I do want to end on, on a happier note than that. Randall, uh, show number five coming to a close here. Do you have anything for us to, to bring things home on a happier note and to send us into spring training next week with a W?
2: Well, it is the final Friday before pitchers and catchers reporting that beautiful day every winter where all the troubles of the offseason seem to melt away those first pictures of the players in their training gear, running around on the grass, getting their stretches in that first video of live bullpens, the sound of the the mitts popping, bats cracking, and no matter what your team did or didn't do in the off season for a few days that goes away. And you're just happy to see players out there playing the game of baseball. And uh, we wish all the major league teams, all the best of luck in staying healthy this year. We hope everyone's able to stick within the protocols and we hope for a full spring training, uh, a full season, good health to everyone. And with a little bit of luck, maybe people at the ballparks cheering them on sooner versus later.
0: Will you also be cracking and popping next week? Will you be doing some
2: stretching as well? Um, Well, that's certainly the sound it would make if I were to uh, stretch. So that's an excellent seg. I will not be, but uh, you know, I wish all the players best of luck in shaking off the rust, after a season and hopefully the only things cracking and popping are in fact uh, bats and mitts as they hit the training fields in Arizona and Florida.
0: No ligaments, nothing torn, nothing like that. No No ligaments, no
2: bones, no, no tendons, no muscles, good health to everyone.
0: And same to you, Randall. Happy Valentine's day to you, Randall J. Sanders. Uh, Something for our fans next week. We will make sure that Randall gives us a thorough rundown on all the roster number changes for the cubs here we'll have more clarity on that as all the players show up down at sloan park here next week for jeremy and randall i'm ronan thank you for joining us for episode number five of behind the yellow line we'll see you again next week right here in the land of destiny